The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I might eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples went off, entered the city, and found it just as he told them, and they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The Gospel of the Lord. Father Peter was a priest just like any other. He enjoyed offering Holy Mass. He enjoyed being able to go and to celebrate Mass in some of the notable sites around where he had lived. Father Peter, being a man of piety, tried to serve the Lord worthily at Holy Mass, but there was still that question in the back of his mind, a question that sometimes arose in his heart, of how to understand exactly what takes place at Mass. Trying to be able to profess with the fullness of his heart and his mind, the belief that when he said those words, this is my body, that what he held in his hands actually became the body of Christ. It was difficult for him to make sense of it. One day he was traveling, and he came to a little town called Bolsena, is in the country of Italy. He was permitted to offer Holy Mass, and he ascended the altar, began the prayers as usual, as he had done many times before. All the prayers of the Mass continued, everything exactly as normal. But as he uttered the words of consecration, as soon as he finished those last lines of, This is my body, the host began to bleed. He looked at it quite startled as the blood wasn't just a little bit here or there. It was dripping from the host down his hands onto the altar cloth itself. Obviously, this had never happened to him. And he was shocked and he was confused. In amazement, he did the thing that no priest is supposed to normally do. He just stopped saying mass and left. (laughs) He put the host and the corporal in the cloth, folded it up, and went away, scandalized by what had taken place in his very hands. It was providential that in the neighboring town of Orvieto, 
Pope Urban IV was currently residing. And so Father Peter was permitted to go to the Pope and to be able to explain exactly what had taken place. The Pope absolved him of his sin of having just simply cut the Mass short and going on his way. But he also commissioned a group of people to begin to study what had taken place, to look into it a little bit more and to see if this was truly a miracle of divine origin. After some looking and some testing and various accounts of those who were present that day, the commission certified that indeed it was miraculous, that it was something that God had worked. The Pope further went on to explain that the miracle took place to be able to change the heart of Father Peter so that he could profess belief in exactly what took place every single Mass here on the holy altars but also to be able to encourage the life of the faithful to belief in the Eucharist. He commissioned a young monk, Father Thomas. He would later become St. Thomas Aquinas. Father Thomas was commissioned by the Pope to write the prayers and the hymns for a Mass, to celebrate the miracle that had taken place. Pope Urban desired a feast to celebrate the body and blood of Jesus. How even though 99.999% of the time, nothing happens visibly on the altar, to recognize that with the eyes of faith, Christ becomes truly present. In the following year, 1264, the Feast of Corpus Christi was celebrated for the first time as a universal feast of the Catholic Church. And since then, we have celebrated it annually every year using the same prayers composed by St. Thomas Aquinas, singing the same hymns as we do at Benediction. Tantum ergo sacramentum, o salutaris hostia. For 800 years, we have sung these hymns as a church to commemorate the reality that what happens on this altar is different than what happens anywhere else. Indeed, it's only a Catholic church that can really celebrate this feast. Because it's we alone who understand that what happens in this church, what happens in Holy Mass, is transubstantiation. The substance of the bread and wine changes into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Whereas most of our Christian brothers and sisters believe it's simply signs and symbols, we celebrate Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Jesus. No mere sign, no mere symbol, no nice analogy, not a simple remembrance of a thing that happened 2,000 years ago, but a reality that takes place every time a priest ordains and says those words. It can be in the most grand church the world has ever seen or in the most humble setting. But we recognize that in those words, Christ becomes truly present to us. Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who would later become Pope Benedict XVI, indicated that there were three basic purposes for the Feast of Corpus Christi on our end. Certainly the first and foremost of, above all of the purposes is to adore God. But he says there are three purposes for man himself for the Feast of Corpus Christi. The first of these is that it counters man's forgetfulness. He talked about how we go from place to place, from meeting to meeting to meeting, to appointment to appointment, to visit friends here, to visit family there. 
And it can become easy for us to forget the God who is behind it all. To content ourselves with only the things of this world and to forget, either implicitly or explicitly, that there's more than this world at hand. Every time we come to Mass and hear those blessed words, every time we come and kneel before the Eucharist in adoration, it's a visible, shocking sign that should speak to our hearts. It should move us a bit. Anyone coming into a church, if we were to do benediction and adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, they would come into the church and they would see the monstrance on the altar, the beautiful gold and gilded monstrance with jewels on it often. And they would say, wow, all of these people were bowing before this golden thing on the altar. When any Catholic with the eyes of faith recognizes that the least valuable thing on the altar is the thing plated in gold. <laughs> the most valuable thing is the one is inside of it. The Eucharist. Because it is Christ. It is Jesus himself. And seeing him face to face reminds us of what God has done. It reminds us, as we've heard allusions to in our readings today, but also through countless readings through the course of the year, that over and over and over again, for 1,500 years and more, God was preparing the hearts of his people to receive the gift of the Eucharist. Through the offerings of rams and bullocks, for the offerings of blood and wine poured out on the altar, the various sacrifices given to God, all of these things were preparing the hearts of his faithful to receive that one thing that all of them were pointing to, the sacrifice of Christ, the Holy Eucharist. It's a reminder to us that God is always at work. And he is not ignorant or unconcerned about the little details. He's concerned and consumed with all of these things because they affect us. They change us. They can help us in faith or they can hinder us. And so he makes use of these countless signs and symbols to help us to grow. The second purpose that Cardinal Ratzinger noted about the Feast of Corpus Christi is that mindful now of God, having not forgotten about God, remembering the things that he has done, it elicits from man thankfulness. That remembering the ways that God has acted, seeing the concrete instances in the history of the Israelites, in the history of the church, and even in our own personal life, the ways that God has come to speak to us, to touch us, to walk infinitely, incredibly close to us, scandalously close, in fact, we cannot help but be thankful to lift up our hearts in gratitude to God who has done these things. And so we come week after week after week and we kneel before him in adoration and in gratitude for what he has given to us. The third purpose that Cardinal Ratzinger points out to us is that having remembered the gift of God having allowed our hearts to be filled with gratitude to him, we're then united together in him. It's a recognition that in Christ all become one. That as we receive communion, it draws me in union with Christ, and it draws you in union with Christ. And to the extent that all of us draw closer to Christ, we also draw closer to one another. One another. 
It's a visible sign of what is supposed to be the spiritual reality of our community. And not just our local community, but the entire church. Brothers and sisters all, one family. One in mind and in heart and spirit and in truth. Holy Communion makes that a reality, little by little. Changing our hearts to become more like that of Christ. And this is the great reality. That the Eucharist actually changes us. Again, it is no sign, it is no symbol. It is reality. In the last couple of weeks, we've spoken about in the homilies how, first, it was a recognition that God comes to us and he exists around us. But it's not enough for him him to exist around us, to descend upon us. He wants to dwell within us. We spoke about this last weekend. How God comes and literally dwells in our soul in a way that we can't understand. But in a way that we can understand, he comes to us not just in spirit, but he comes to us in flesh and in blood because he knows we need it. As men and women, we are not just pure spirit like the angels. We are spirit and body. And so God comes to dwell in us spiritually and physically. Giving us himself to eat in the Holy Eucharist. Our faith is utterly mysterious if we actually give it the time of day and thought. None of these things make sense. And yet they are the gift of God to us. A sign of his love and affection. And the only thing he desires, again as always, is for us to return that love instead. Those of you who are watching as I cleanse the vessels after Holy Communion have likely noticed that I'm rather particular in the cleansing of the vessels. Every little speck is properly cared for and acknowledged, sometimes painfully long to see it take place from the pews. But the simple reality that I'm trying to remember in that particular moment with my attentiveness And what I hope that you understand for yourselves in the pews is that every single piece, every speck, every particle of the hosts that remains on the patent plate is God himself. The smallest of pieces is the fullness of God, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ our Lord. Every drop of the precious blood in the chalice is him. It's not just a thing that's part of our part of our worship as if it was equal to the, the, the hymnals or the pew missiles or the cards or various other things that we offer for Holy Mass, even the vessels themselves. But what lies within them and upon them, it's him. We should be consumed with him. We should take every detail To be able to show him our love. Because it's Christ. In the 1500s. We had the Council of Trent. A gathering of bishops from throughout the world. They were meeting in response to so many of the. So many of the questions were arising with the Protestant Reformation and revolt that was taking place within the church. Many who were coming to question the priesthood and the mass. 
questioning so many things that the church had held since the beginning. And so they had to respond to the questions and be very clear in their responses. And on the question of the Eucharist, they said unambiguously that the Eucharist, even the smallest of crumbs, is God. Truly, really, and substantially present. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Period. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate the miraculous. One priest, Father Peter, in his hands took place an incredible miracle to the eyes. Something that still to this day is venerated in the cathedral in Orvieto in Italy. But the greater miracle, the greater reality, the greater mystery is that what happened to him visibly happens to us in a way that approaches us and calls us to faith. Here in this chapel in Ennis, Louisiana, our Lord becomes present to us. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. To allow us to consume him, to be brought into his covenant, to become his family, his children, with one goal, to bring us to eternal life. My dear friends, Christ is with us. And he comes among us out of love. Let us return this love today in the Holy Eucharist. As we receive him, as we come before him, as we kneel before him, as we pray and worship and adore him, let us give him everything of the love in our hearts, holding nothing back. Place everything at his feet. Give him all. Let us worship. Let us adore.